everyone needs a logo with a transparent background that isn't a PNG file. Everybody needs that. That's like part of like the Ten Commandments of branding. Yes. I would say it is like if you were going to parallel it to a commandment, murder. <laughs> Thou shalt not have <laughs> a opaque white background around your logo. Yeah. It's parallel to murder. So just keep that in mind. If you hire someone and they did not give you a PNG file with a transparent background, they murdered must, your brand. It's a must. Gotta have it. They murdered your brand and they made our lives harder. Oh my gosh. And don't get me started on if there's not an EPS file. We gotta go. We gotta get started. We got a lot to talk about. Okay, let's go. The shop is open. And we're here for you. Hello there. I'm Brittany Brainstorm. And I'm Casey Lachelle. We're the co-host of Boutique Speak. A podcast where we share with you all the humanity behind some of the most memorable brands we've worked with as the owners of Brainstorm Boutique Branding Studio. We geek out about branding, design, and offer tips and tricks to expand and improve businesses like yours. So come on in and hang out with us. Let's do it. Welcome back, Boutique Sam. I'm Brittany Brainstorm, co-host of Boutique Speak and creative director of Brainstorm Boutique. And I have my co-host here with me. Hi, I'm Casey Lachelle. I am the confidence coach and I also do social media accounts and design a little bit. But mostly that's Brett. <laughs> well, speaking of design. Yes. We are going to do an episode dedicated to branding deliverables what to expect before, during, and after for successful brand creation. Yeah, and I think that this is like the way that I would like this podcast to be used. And so then that way, let's say you don't go with us. That's okay. It's not going to hurt our feelings. No. If somebody is promising you that they're going to give you like their deliverables, obviously, but what they're telling you that the outcome is going to be, I want it to match up to what is going to be the most successful outcome. So be able to like ask for those things if you don't have it from your branding expert or what have you. And, you know, maybe like you're trying to be a graphic designer, brander, whatever. These are the things that you need to start putting in people's deliverables in order for like the rest of their lives to be successful as a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing worse than working with a client. And I'm going to say like, for web design, right? Because a lot of times they come to us and they already have a brand created. And when they come to us, I'm like, hey, can I have your logo? And I get files that are just not what we need for their website. And then there's a lot of backtracking. There's like them having to hunt down their branding person, or maybe they DIY'd it and they just didn't know. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. So if you work with us, this is how it goes. The first thing we're going to do is a strategy call. Actually, let's even go back a little bit more. You're going to fill out our contact form on our website. There's going to be some questions to give me an idea before we even speak. What you're looking for, what your budget range is, and all of that. When I have an idea of what your budget range is, then I can already think of what's going to be successful for you. Because we have a full branding suite, but we also do a branding mini. And some people don't 
need or see themselves needing that full branding suite yet. So they just want something that's more of a branding mini to get started. And once they've worked with us, they can always come back and then we can expand to that full branding suite. So fill out a contact form. We get some information. I like to hop on a Zoom call with people just to have more in depth, more of a free consultation, get a little more details, and then I can give you a proposal. And then once that happens and you're like, yes, this is what I'm looking for, then the very first thing with our project is a strategy call. And there are a lot of questions in this strategy yes. call. I can't go over all the questions during this time frame because then basically that's like a 30 minutes to an hour's worth of conversation together. But the important thing is really filling out what is your brand? Do you even have that defined yet? Like it's so much more than colors. It's more than icons. It's more than font style. It's just the heart of your business. Yeah. So Brittany, with that said, in that call, what do you think is most commonly the most underprepared question or answer that you get? What do you think people are most underprepared to answer is what I meant to say. Honestly, is when I ask people, what's your mission? Mm. People don't know what their mission is yet. And if you're starting a business, that's important. Yeah. That shouldn't be me defining that. Yeah. That's you. You have to define your mission. That's the whole point of you being in business to begin with. Who are you serving? What's the purpose? What's the problem you're solving? People are paying you to solve a part of their life or their business, a problem in whatever way that looks like. What is that problem? It's not necessarily curing like world hunger. It can just be, hey, how do I make my dress look better on me? Well, maybe you're going to wear some shapewear and your shapewear company solves that problem of looking stunning in a dress. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of business owners that like, they don't understand what problem their business solves. Yeah. And at that point, it's kind of like, why'd you do it? <laughs> why, are, why are you doing this? How did this come in your, like, how did this thought pop up in your head? Yeah. You know, it's more than making money. Okay. We all want to make money. That's just the whole purpose of anything that we're doing. Anything is the purpose of making money. But hopefully there's even more to it than just getting the dollar bills. Casey and I, our mission is creating confident brands. Everything we do from the brand design, the you know logo design, the brand strategy, to the website design, to the confidence coaching, to the social media management, all of it is about our brands being the most confident in who they are, who they serve, what they do, all of that. And yet the hardest question for a lot of, and honestly, it's not new businesses. A lot of times it's existing businesses is knowing what is their true mission. So I highly encourage you before you go down the branding journey, take some time to really reflect and think about what your mission is for your business. So from the strategy call, we are going to learn everything we can about your business. We discover a lot of really cool stuff about your business. What words do you want to be associated with? What words do you not want to be associated with? What does your actual process look like? Is it streamlined? Is it a little chaotic? Are there things you can actually fix 
while we're thinking about these things. Like it's a lot. We dig in we dig in deep and dirty we deep gotta, in your business. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're getting in your business about your business. <laughs> My biggest goal is to literally know your business inside and out from your customer service standpoint to everything. So we make sure, and we talked about this in a previous podcast about, you know, creating brand culture and all of that. But once we understand all that, how you want to be perceived, how you currently are perceived, we can start making those changes visually. So people look at your logo, they look at, you know, do you have a playful typography? Is it more luxurious looking? Is it serious? Is it really clean and simple? Is it a little wacky and zany? Like all of those things, just visually when someone looks at that is going to immediately set the tone. Yeah. Immediately set the tone for your business and how, how people identify with you, how they identify you and how they relate to you. Yeah. So this is a question we get a lot, Brittany, and I feel like I know what you're going to say already, but we hear this a lot is business owners. They don't know what comes first, the branding shoot or the branding. Like, should they get their photos done first? Or should they get their logo done? Is it a chicken and egg thing? Can they play off of each other? Does it matter? Or do you think that branding absolutely needs to be done and then let that inspire your shoot? Branding needs to be done first. Otherwise, you don't know what colors to incorporate in your photos, what kind of color scheme you're going with. You don't know the setting of where you should be. Are you a coffee shop girl or are you fine dining? Are you going to be at a urban setting or are you going to be out there in a cornfield? You know, like all of those things really go together. Just when it comes down to colors, you know, Casey, we did a really fun photo shoot with Alana Milby when, you know, when we started and we had pinks and blues and all those things. And that really tied in with our brand. And honestly, it really tied into a brand altogether. Yeah. However, there are times when you want a different type of photos, but you still have to have similar elements that tie in together. Yeah. So if you're a colorful brand, would it make sense for your pictures to be black and white? I don't know. Are you going to do a gradient filter overlay or things like that? Like it's just things you have to think about. Are you going to have some colorful prism effects going on in your photos and all of that? I think about for product-based brands specifically, if you are unicorn glitter glow body scrub, (laughs) are you going to be in the desert? No. You're probably going to be more in a disco ball setting. (laughs) You could do like straight up Burning Man though, and that would be fun. You you could. could It's all about about, those elements, right? Are you like lost in the middle of the desert or are you festival rave you know are you a country concert or a rave kind of girl or whatever it's just those are the things you have to think about before you do those photos before you do those videos for your brand all those things and then the energy so that's the other thing is like if you think you're a serious brand and you do a serious photo shoot but then you're talking to your brand designer and you're doing a brand strategy and you decide you actually want to be very funky and approachable 
all those serious photos don't align with you anymore. Right? And we have seen this before. We have. This isn't wild. We have seen this before where people are like, working with me is like a white tie affair. Like everybody's very serious, very proper and prim. And then like, as you start talking to these people, you realize, mm, no, I am detect- like, you're serving me cargo shorts and flip-flops. And I love that about you. And we shouldn't lose this here. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't lose this. Like, I want to work with somebody for what they were giving. It was more unique for them to go cargo shorts than it was for them to go white tie. Yeah. There is a way to successfully translate who you are in your brand, who you want to be perceived, but you really have to dig into it and you have to decide how you want to be known as. I just think if you are, if you're putting out Comic Sans vibes, but you want to be more like, I don't know, now I can't even Carrier think of new. a Courier <laughs> new. If you want to be some premium font that's done by a premium designer, then we really need to figure out why. Yeah, why are you serving Comic Sans? Look, Comic Sans, okay. Look, we can make it work if that's what you want. But if you're actually wanting to like charge people a lot of money and you want to be a premium service or a premium product, then we probably need to be looking at more of a premium font to go along with it. So it's a, it's very interesting <laughs> to have these conversations. Yeah. And while we're on this conversation, I just want to point out there was like, there was like that era where everyone was doing Helvetica or Helvetica. Is it new? New. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. I mean, like I used it, but understand that hopping on that trend. Now I know you got your branding done in 2015. Ooh. It's very dated. Hopping on those trends of typefaces, there's um, one more. It's like some sort of font that you see a lot in restaurants. It's like got a culinary vibe. It's kind of a thicker, handwritten, kind of looks like. Uh, I know it was like some sort of like chef, like some yeah. something like that. But I see it everywhere. And every time I'm like, oh, so you, somebody typed this out in literally 2015 because that was the handwritten th- font back then. And it was fun. It's a fun font, but it's very stuck. It's very dated. And another one, there's one more that's like called Pacifico. And then there's another one. Oh, yeah, called, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you see lobster? that one a lot. Uh, yeah. Lobster you see all the yes. time. That wasn't the one that I'm thinking of, though. Wow. I'm just going to have to send it to you next time I see okay. it. And then animatic or amantic or something like that. I can't even remember that word, but it was the very tall, skinny, handwritten one that every hipster brand used. In like 2013 to 2015, it, it had its time. We have got to stop using the spots. We've got to stop. <laughs> We've got to stop. They are, it is yoga pants of fonts. I'm saying it now. Commandment number three, don't be so comfortable. Get it something different. You know what? I'd rather somebody walk in with a font looking like bell bottoms or looking like some low rise flare Paris Hilton's or even velour. You know what I mean? Then I'd rather see some yoga pant, Lululemon looking font that you know they just threw on and were like, whatevs, didn't want to overthink it and run out the door. 
my facial expressions right now are unhinged. I'm done. I'm done. I am jaw dropped. That was I'm a done. hot take. If we I have ever to stop. heard it collectively as designers, we have to be doing better. We have so to. So let's talk about this. Once we get through the strategy call, we do all kinds of things. Like we do a typeface study. We do color studies. Like there's just this whole process. And for me, it's like, I have an idea of what kind of font you're looking for. And so I just give you, I serve you like a freaking smorgasbord of font options. And they're all designer, all designer. I'm trying to serve you premium designer fonts that are gorgeous that, you know, are like, we want you to stand out with your tight face. I'm going to say something big. What? scared if you are fine with a font that you have already seen before diy your logo you do not need to pay a designer for a free font Uh, you don't need to like just diy it it's fine i see where you're coming from I see it and I recognize it. However, I will challenge this thought a little bit. Let's go, I girl. challenge it. I will just say there are times when some brands do need a free font. And it's because of accessibility. And depending on what platforms they're using, what are already pre-existing fonts that are preloaded that might minimize the risk of custom coding or other things, what have you. However, I don't disagree with you because I do feel like if you're just looking for a word mark, you just want a word mark. And yes, you do want a free existing font that you already have in your computer. Just do it. Just do it. Just run with it. Well, and like 100% appreciate that amendment to to the thought that we're having right now because... What I see a lot is people getting logos. There's a lot of great logos out there, you know, but then you'll see some logos that it's like literally typed out. They'll put like a period at the end and it'll be like Casey period. And then the period just kind of like a little bit bigger than a normal period. And then you find out that person spent like $20,000. Oh, and Lord. It hurts me because it makes thinking about logos and branding so much more inaccessible and it really bloats in people's heads. Like maybe I can't get this. So now I just sit here with this roadblock in my business because like, you know what I mean? And really like, I'm more invested in the idea of like, they're ready to start expressing themselves in a creative way and expressing their business in a creative way, even if it is a word mark or whatever. And I want them to be able to do that with the typeface that they choose. And then on the conversation with accessibility too, Brittany, it's like, it's our job too, to make sure that whatever the big heading font that they have is paired with an accessible font. So then that way they aren't always SOL. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is definitely the thing that has to be considered is what are your display fonts? And then what are your body text fonts and that sort of thing? And I will tell you, I feel like uh, I'm not here to, 
I believe is better to create than to criticize. I will throw that Always. out there. However, I feel like there's this whole era. It may have been like the 2010 of agencies where it is like one word period that's the it name is. of their agency and so then it suddenly has like this really like oh or it's like a word ampersand word a word plus sign word yeah it's like are you are you oats plus apples <laughs> are you fern plus petals plus <laughs> petals I don't know. Or is it like just ampersand Julie? Yeah. I'm really sorry if that exists out there. I'm not here to de- like just degrade it. I actually had a conversation with a client about her brand's name, which her business name absolutely was like, yes, I know exactly what you're doing. It's beautiful. It's great. And she mm-hmm. told me, she said she had someone in the industry tell her, well, it could be trendier if it was like, blank and blank and i was like why so you would sound like everybody else yeah and don't forget people once told this to people about helvetica yeah it would be trendier if it were a slim sancera and that's a very like plain jane black and and white it has its purpose but it's not for everybody Please do not think a branding is one size fits all. Yeah. It's do not jump on the trends. It should genuinely express your brand. It should your genuinely heart. expect you and your values. And it should genuinely reflect your business's values and brand. And your personality. The personality yes. of your business. The personality of your business can actually be different than your personality. Yeah. It's just. Are you truly having that persona in your business? Like, don't say you're an outgoing business if you're really an introverted everybody in there. So, you know, that's all oh, hot takes. Hot I will takes. say one more thing, too, while we're at oh, it. Oh, Lord. Ampersands can mess up a lot of things on the web. And there's Oof. sometimes ampersands do not read when it's typed out. So if you're mm. in somebody's blog and they don't know that, or if you're being interviewed by somebody and you're in that person didn't know that and they just tried typing something out and they tried typing out your business name, that ampersand might actually, what is it, Bernie? It's like semicolon AMP or something yeah, like that. Something it looks like kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep that in mind if your business does have a special character that it doesn't always translate in web. So that's why I'm always kind of shying away from it because we don't always have control of when your name is typed out, mm-hmm. right? Because I yeah. hope that you're on blogs. I hope that you're on podcasts. I hope that you're on some sort of article written in the news that's translated to webs. And I hope that every single person has that in their head. You know what I mean when they're typing out the business name that they have to do that little extra thing in the code to like protect yeah. that special character. But that everybody don't. Not everybody knows that. Lots of people have blogs. Not everybody yes. knows that. So just keep that in mind. It's not always a good move. I would say it's typically not a good move to have a special character in your logo that is unavoidable to type out. And just expect that if you do have an ampersand, just go ahead and use the word and when it is written out, just do that. And I have done I have done logos and brands with ampersands. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But please do not feel like you have to do that because you admire another business that has it 
because someone else is telling you that, oh, well, your business would actually seem more elevated if it was like feather and floating. I'm here for you doing whatever. But if your gut tells you, if your heart speaks to you, okay, full disclosure, when I started my business brainstorm boutique, I was in a Facebook group and I wanted some opinions of some other people and not really opinions. I was just, hi, I'm starting a business and call it brainstorm boutique. This is, you know, what I'm doing. Does anyone have any advice for me? And this other designer chimes in and goes, I don't get it. I think you need to completely rename your entire business because I don't get it. And I was like, oh, okay, then you're not my, you're not my target audience then if you don't get it. And I said, it's, I'm, I'm sticking with it. It's what my gut tells me. And I've already got applied for my LLC and this is my business name. Thank you. Trust your gut. Always be willing to listen to other people's input. And I like, I accept it. Like I listened to what she was saying, but I also was like, mm. We don't align like what I'm wanting to do doesn't align with what you think I need to do. And that's okay. But I did tell her, I said, but I appreciate you telling me you didn't understand it because now that lets me know, I just have to be very clear in the way I communicate my business. Yeah. So thank you so much for that feedback. I will make sure I'm a lot more concise and I have more clarity in my description. Right. And knowing that too, you know, if your name is Feather and Floating, right? Yeah, let's which say is really is, pretty sounding. That is actually pretty cute. So if your name <laughs> is Feather and Floating and I'm like, I don't get it. And you're like, that's fine. I'm actually sell CBD soaked feathers <laughs> to men who are 35 plus and they they know it and they buy it. So yeah. like you being a 30-year-old girl not getting it doesn't matter to me. My revenue doesn't come from you. So, you know, that's like a huge common mistake that we find is that like, okay, your biggest critics are really going to come from your family and friends. It just will. But I'm going to be honest, most of your revenue is not going to come from your family or friends. So you need to listen to people who are in your target demographic and people who are not in your circle. Because I'm going to tell you, if all of your financial stability came from your family or friends, sweetheart, you wouldn't be in the situation of starting a business to begin with. Holy cow. Can you hear my applause? <laughs> Whoa, she took us to church on that one. Why am I like this today? Oh, Lord, I can't breathe. This is unhinged. We are completely 100% this podcast sober. Is literally and I do not know... Lord have mercy. Oh yeah. my gosh, we still have so much more to talk about. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Get her crack. Okay. <laughs> we're, we got to start crack lacking, girl. This might be a part one. Oh, I know. Okay. So, strategy call, mission statement, <laughs> figuring out those things. One, another thing is you need a brand tagline, which I don't even want to get into that, but it should be something. So, when people read it, they know what you do. Is that the creative, confident brands for us? Is our tagline? Yes. So what's the difference between a slogan and a tagline? Or is it the same thing to you in your what you do? Wow, please don't put me on the spot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I probably actually messed that up because a slogan conveys a company's mission statement. Whereas the tagline elicits an image of the brand. 
Interesting. Our mission statement is creating confident brands, I would say. Mm -hmm. Our slogan and our tagline is both creating confident brands. You know, another thing too, because I actually did, I was at a conference not too long ago where we were talking about taglines and the gentleman there, like that's what he does professionally is taglines. And he even said, not every brand needs a tagline. Interesting. It was just really fascinating because he he felt like brands needed like a really solid like slogan. And he also said like a tagline should be something you intend to keep for a very, very long time. That how a lot of brands change out their taglines a lot. He said at that point, you need to think of them more as campaigns because they are short-term things. So anyways, but yes, we can go through and define if you need a tagline or a slogan, what that sounds like. Really, the goal is to have something really short and sweet that can go with your logo that clearly defines who you are and what you do and also brings in some of that personality there. Then, so really with our branding suite, as far as like the visual identity aspect of it, we look at your primary logo, your secondary logo, and your brand sub marks. So primary logo. That's our brainstorm boutique. For us, it's also like a word mark. It's brainstorm boutique with the lightning bolt in the O. It is the full thing. But then we also have a secondary logo where it's a circular. It's the O with the I with love the that one. Bolt and then brainstorm boutique around it. And then the sub mark itself is, you know, the different ways that we use that lightning bolt with our branding. So I love this too, because it's so much more than just three separate files, right? You're going to have your primary logo as a full, as your main colors, a couple of one color options, mm-hmm. a white option and a black option, because that gives you more versatility in whatever way you're going to be using this logo. You're going to get them as an EPS file. So EPS or vector file, I should say, a vector file means it can scale up and down without losing any crispness. So these are typically created in a in like Adobe Illustrator or a vector-based program. You must make sure, must make sure that your brand designer is creating your logo on a vector-based platform first. Mm. They are not doing it in Canva. Anything created in Canva cannot be trademarked because technically if it's created in Canva, Canva owns it. Now you can create something on a vector-based platform and then use it as an asset in Canva, but please do not create your logo in Canva. First of all, Canva is not a vector-based platform. So please use Adobe Illustrator or something comparable and go from there. So that is that is something that I will stress. And the the reason why having something that has that elasticity is because it can go on something as small as a pen or it can go on something as big as a billboard. Yes. One file can do that. One file. One, One file. file to rule them all. <laughs> to rule them all. And if you need to work with somebody 
like, you know, local to, to Southern Orleans being all stars and stitches. And they're printing, you know, these giant signs that's like vote for I want to say Brainstorm. Cranberry. I don't know why. Vote for Britney <laughs> Brainstorm. But these days probably cranberry. Vote for cranberry. If you're gonna do that, they're gonna take that. They're gonna be able to take your vector file. They're gonna be able to cu- use that one vector file to cut out as much vinyl as they need to, you know, because sometimes it's a sticker, it's like a big decal sticker. They can cut that out in a laser cutter. They can also print it out on a giant banner. And then they can also put an order in with their supplier who prints on pins and tiny, tiny little things. And they can use that same file over and over and over again. Something that used to happen when I worked there was that you'd have these very precious people who only had a PNG or a JPEG, even worse. And then I would be tasked with creating a vector file from that JPEG. Mm, It's hard. Um, I'm going to tell you, if you make a printer do it, you're going to spend at least $45 an hour. It is way better to make sure that you had an EPS file or that vector-based file the day your designer hands you that stuff over. It's so much better. Check through and be like, ooh, do I have a .eps? I don't. Hey, Describe to me where my vector file, my vector-based file is. We don't have one. Huge problem. Huge problem. Have to have it. You're not off the hook till you give it to me. Yes. They should give you two different types, and it should be your EPS, and then your something used for digital, which would be your PNG. Yeah. Anything can convert to JPEG. So, honey, you don't have to worry about it. You don't need JPEG. Everybody's like, oh, you know, got to get a JPEG. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's so much easier to go from vector file to anything. And then PNG can be a JPEG. No big deal. Yeah, for sure. But not everybody can open up a vector file unless you have those systems on your computer. That's why you need the PNGs. You as a person who is not a designer needs that. Yes. So if you cannot open and see an EPS file on your computer, most likely you do not have the programs, the softwares to do that. And that's okay. Because you have the files to hand off to the printers, to the other designers you may be working with in the future for other things. It's okay. All right. Just make sure there's a .eps. Never hesitate to ask your designer, what is this? What is the purpose of it? They should give you a branding guide at the very end that lists out the different types of file formats and what the use for those are. You know, I let people know EPS is a vector-based file. It is to be used for print purposes and the same, you know, with PNGs that these are for digital purposes. They all have transparent backgrounds. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Very important. So, you know, from there we have our main logo, secondary logo, brand submarks. We provide people with their digital branding guide booklet, which explains, you know, each thing shows the logos in different ways of use. And then also we define the color palette. So, you know, this is something I learned in design school that has stuck with me. It is a, it is the first commandment, if you will. If a logo is not successful, black and white, it is not successful in any color. You must make sure your logo is strong 
in black and white first. I always design every logo as a black and white file, as a black and white design. And then we get to have a heyday with the colors. If this logo cannot stand with strength, as a black and white logo. It is not going to be strong in color. So I'm going to use a phrase from the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. And as you have forgotten the face of your father. Wow. I know this is very, we've spent a lot of time on this, but please let's make sure your logo looks amazing as a black and white. And then it's going to be stellar in any kind of color. Is there going to be gradient? Is there going to be all this other stuff? You know? Oh my gosh, talking about color, all printing process is a four-color process. I shouldn't say all. The standard is a four-color process. The more colors you use, the more expensive your logo is to get printed in certain situations. Casey, you have a lot of experience in this work from your time at All Stars and Stitches. I do. And what I would like to explain is that like, we all know that whenever you're doing screen printing, you're pulling down different inks to make that color, right? You don't want different inks to make that color. That's whenever having a really strong white or a really strong black version or a really strong one color is really excellent. An example of this is that there was a girl who had just became a member, like a little nine-year-old girl, just became a member of like some sort of like, I don't know, it was like some sort of Girl Scouts thing. And what was crazy is that it had like the logo of like the thing. I'm going to call it a Girl Scouts. It wasn't Girl Scouts, but whatever. It was like the type of thing. And it was like, oh no, this little girl doesn't have a shirt and she needs it today. One shirt. If you need to make one shirt, nobody's burning screens for that. I'm sorry. Nobody's going to burn screens for your one shirt. Love you. What will happen is people will keep those screens on hand and then they'll use them a million times later. But we're not going to burn a whole screen for a one shirt order. It's just not going to happen. So what happens is that you get this stuff called thermofilm, which is a sticker, essentially, that you put really, really high heat on and it sticks. It actually goes like sticks to the shirt. Anyway, the craziest part about thermofilm and the way that the laser cutter actually cuts this stuff out is that you have to get a different color, load that color in the printer, which always takes time, like the sheet of sticker kind of plastic material, and a cutter will literally only work horizontally. And you want to fit everything into this horizontal thing. Well, what I need to describe was that this logo was kind of like the NBC logo. So it had like a peacock effect around it. It was a different color around like the G where before it started this word that started with girl. And it had these different feathers. Well, these feathers are tiny because it's on a little girl's shirt. It doesn't matter. You are always paying for a foot of thermofilm. So maybe it is a foot wide and then like a couple inches up because of the size of that thing. But all the rest of it is a waste. Because I can't reload that back in the cutter. You see what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the actual space is being used on that shirt. What matters is how much material I need in order to create that in the cutter. Maybe that makes sense. It makes sense to me. But my apologies to anyone that does not make sense yeah. for. 
So if I have to load that, let's say I have to have each little part with that that needs its own sticker, needs its own design. We're going to round that up to an hour. I swear they're going to round it up to an hour. So you're going to spend an hour per color at least. Then you're going to have to spend for that material, which I will say, I know this for experience, that if you do a foot by one inch, that's 16 bucks per color that y'all got on your phone because you had to have an emergency you know, like this poor little girl was not going to have a matching shirt, which I know that that's embarrassing. And I love that they did this for this girl. But then this little tiny shirt means it's a tiny little thing, which means I got to go in with my tweezers, pull that thing on, stick it to the shirt appropriately. And then I have to pull down on this big press and make sure that everything's pressed and lined up. And maybe it didn't line up right. Maybe I have to redo it. This one shirt cost about $150, if not more at the end. Wow. Because of art time plus materials. And yeah, and all the different colors. So understand, having a strong white logo is very important because a strong white logo in a relationship with a printer that they already had that screen burned, honey, we could have gotten that shirt done in 10 minutes with no material, just ink. Yeah, that's really interesting because a lot of people, especially this day and age with a lot of digital stuff, don't really understand like the print side of things. Print yeah. has a lot of value. It translates so many different types of our lifestyles. We interact with a lot of physical printed things. I love print so much. I like digital, but I love print because it's tactile. Like you feel it, you hold it, all of that. Like plus the different types of finishes you can get on a printed piece. And that's a different topic for a different day. I know, but it's just one of those things. Like when we tell someone like, like, Oh, I want this color and this color and this color. And I tell you, Hey, let's have one really strong black and white design. Let's have one, all the colors. But no, that one may not be something you will actually have printed in these different ways on t-shirts and things like that, because all those colors are going to add up. We can do a gradient, but your gradient is most likely not going to be something that's going to be screen printed. It's not going to be something that's being vinyled as much. You know, it's just, there's just a lot of different things to consider. And so we want to set you up for success because we know what lies beyond the handoff of this one logo. There are different uses. There are different purposes. People, they stress me out when I see them like willy-nilly, like picking different golds and greens specifically because they'll have in their head little things like, I'm going to have this certain type of embroider or something like that. I love you. I think you're precious. No embroider has that thread. I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, you're asking too much. Embroider, like now you're going to have to find a broider with that specific color thread. You know what I mean? And like, the, like I, I recently just worked with one of our clients who was getting these embroidered jackets. And it's like, we start with the kind of thread they have in stock because this is a rush job. Yeah. Like we start with what do the golds look like? before I even know if I want gold in this. Because you have like very yellow golds. You have very, they have one, the classic one is old gold. 
that's what everybody uses. If you, every, everybody uses old gold in sports because it's just the very standard. Um, it's cheap, just like Royal blue is the cheapest thing that you can do. But anyway, when people start getting really, really fancy with their color choice and never expect to go white and never expect to go black. <laughs> like, okay, this is our first rodeo. I love you, <laughs> but we're not, we're not going to sit here and act like this isn't a potential mistake for you. If you ever want anything like a shirt made or anything like a sign made in vinyl, if you ever want the vinyl on your store, it's going to be white because typically those colors, those different colors and those stickers, like I just said, creating those decals is very time consuming. That's going to be a very expensive sticker for your door. That's something that we, you know, when we're doing those brand strategy sessions is where do you see your logo being used? Like, are you only an online business? Are you only going to be posting Instagram slides, you know, Instagram carousels, Instagram posts, or are you going to have a brick and mortar one day? Yeah. Are you going to have tote bags or shopping bags or tissue paper? Are you going to have, is this something you want put on a cake one day? Like how, how is your logo going to be used? Where do you see yourself growing? Because I look at what is the pinnacle for you? Can we make sure your logo is ready for that? Even though you're here at the very beginning, can this logo grow with you over the success of your business? Mm -hmm. Is it timeless for you? I mean, there's always going to be a point in the business, I'm sure, where you feel like it's time to refresh. We refreshed our logo. We refreshed. There's nothing wrong with that. We refreshed. uh, We needed a whole new vibe, you know, but we still kept a lot of the the hearts didn't, didn't change. The look did. So there are going to be times that there is a time for a refresh. For me, though, my goal is to give you a logo you get to grow with. And that works for at least five to 10 years of your business. Because, you know, branding, it, it, when you're working with a professional, he knows what they're doing. It can be pricey, but it's an investment. It's an investment that I always feel like it's worth it. Because I can tell when someone slapped together something in Canva and that's, again, that's fine. There is a time and a purpose. If you're just getting going, then do it. But if you are at the stage where you want to be taken seriously, then I really, really encourage you to get a partner who is going to go down that journey with you. Well, and not only that, like I will always say a million times over, I always respect a business owner who DIYs. I do not respect designers who deliver DIY. Uh, I don't respect it. I can't respect you. I cannot respect you. I won't. But you know, that comes from a lack of a lack of education on the client side. And I'm hoping, we're hoping the goal of this podcast is to give you the tools and understanding you need of what a successful branding package would look like. You know, another thing when it comes to the color palette is CMYK values, RGB values, Pantone, and hex codes. I always design with Pantone first because Pantone is like the ruling class of colors. (laughs) Pantone, 
when you are going to a high-end printer, having your Pantone number ensures you're getting exactly your branding color. Exactly. And whenever you have your Pantone color for your printer, then your printer will have the Pantone colors on every material. Not every material looks exactly the same with each Pantone. You will find out the first moment you say, I'm Pantone number 373, you know, they'll be like, great. And you want to be on a banner? And they'll be like, yes. And they'll be like, this is what that looks like on this banner material. We're going to adjust your colors to these levels to make sure that it is exactly what, because we've had people before, whenever I worked at All Stars and Stitches, they had, uh, they're like, this is our Pantone. And we were like, okay, that's going to look pretty green. It was a school bus. Mm-hmm. That's going to look pretty green. And they were like, "That we don't care. This is our Pantone color. We're going to go with it. And we're like, okay, it's going to be green. We printed it out. It was a lime green school bus. The person oh was like, God. LOL. I'm really sorry. I didn't trust y'all. <laughs> like literally <laughs> it just happened like that. And because of the materials used, I'm pretty sure we didn't pay them for our time to make up for it, but we did pay that. They did have to pay for both materials used in order to correct that. But at any rate, that's what's important about having a Pantone to start with, because that will be the first conversation you have at any local printer that you begin your relationship with. You should. If not, I'm going to be talking to another printers (laughs) because it's always my experience, at least. Well, and it's like the great base, you know, it's the baseline of what that color needs to look like. And then those adjustments can be made. Exactly. And then the other is, you know, CMYK values. How does that Pantone color translate into cyan, magenta, yellow, and black? And then how does it translate into your red, green, blue for digital base? And then also for hex codes for your web base. All of these things are very important. You should end up with a very detailed guide on what those color values are. So that way, when you're working, if you're working with someone who's a web designer who did not do your branding, they will get that guide and like, gotcha, this is what we're working with. This is the palette. This is how we stay on brand for you. And then you'll provide them with that beautiful PNG file that is transparent. And it's just going to be an incredible design experience. And they're going to look at you and they're going to go, you're amazing. One person, oh my gosh, Natalie Wu with Fringe and Free. She worked with her designer, Amber. So Amber, yes, who is incredible. I was so jealous when I got Natalie's stuff for her website because I was jealous I didn't do her logo. It was amazing. Amber is great too. I've had to work with her before. She's great. She is so creative, so talented. Absolutely admire her and her work. And everything was perfection. That brand guide, all the files, just that final deliverable that I got as a web designer. I was like, this brings me so much joy. I don't have to worry about anything. I know I'm going to do everything right because I got the guide. So that's, you know, that's so important. You shouldn't, people should not have to recreate the wheel for you. Otherwise you're going to be paying a lot of money. Make sure your designer gets it right the first time. So onto the PNG train, something that a lot of people expect is that you can simply erase the background. 
pixels are always square, even in a curve. And if you're to look in and go really, really hard in, what happens is that, let's say you have a black and white uh, logo and it's black logo and white background. Just for kicks, we'll say they're cowboy boots because there's curves and there's straight lines, right? So if you go in and we keep zooming in further and further and further, you're going to see where those pixels, when it goes from black to white, there are going to be little gray pixels. And when you try to start deleting them, or if you think that little magic eraser tool is just going to take all the white out, it won't know. It doesn't know. It doesn't know. And you start seeing these chunks and they make these really hard square edges. Stair step. It's stair step. It's awful. You might as well cut your own bangs. Oh. Yep. And it's not going to be a true round curve. Now, you think, oh, that's only the way it looks on a microscopic level. No, because those that gray outline that a JPEG thinks it needs really makes an impact on your logo. It can make things look fuzzy if you keep it, and it can make things look really chunky if you try to delete it. It's very time-consuming. What a designer has to do is that they have to take the pen tool and they have to redraw over it. Mm-hmm. That's going to take you a lot of money, and it's never going to look. It's never going to look like what you bought. Never. Yeah. Because my hands are not your designer's hands, especially, especially if I got to do it around a typeface. Whew. Her hands are not your designer's <laughs> hands. I'll be on a fireless client. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that's her. That's her. That's her. It's hard. Netflix, uh, yeah. Dramatic. Is the most dramatic <laughs> season of boutique speak. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, listen. So you do not forget the face of your father. You do not. So you do not forget the Remember, face of your father. Remember. We want you to have. We want you to have your logo first created as a vector. A vector can be turned into a PNG. A PNG cannot it cannot become a true vector without losing some kind of quality. So please start as a vector, then turn into a pixel-based file format. You want to have a primary logo, a mm-hmm. secondary logo, and a submark. You want to have really, really want all of your color values. You want your website to be strong as a black and white first. You want to have one color options, and then you want to be able to have those fun ones, you know, but know that those fun ones you love so much with all the colors may not be successful in every print job you want done. So be prepared, have options. And from there, I think you're ready to go, you know, yeah. have your vector, have your PNG, have all the options. Have all the color options. Everybody's branding's different. So your brand designer is really going to have those conversations with you. They're, you know, they may give you a ton of files because you have a lot of color options. You may have very simple, minimal color options and, and all that. 
whatever it is, I just want it to be successful for you. I want you to hit the ground running. I want you to be able to have the billboards and the tote bags and the pens and and the embroidered shirts. I want you to have all of it. And I want it to look true to your vector file. Yeah. And I hope that this breakdown helps people understand why things need to be delivered and how much it affects when it's not delivered. And, you know, even potential designers, like this is the perspective of what happens when your client tries to get something printed. And, you know, you might need more deliverables if every time your client wants to print a billboard, it looks like crap. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Casey. I am dying. It's like, it's like, here's your sign, and it looks bad. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, Jeff Foxworthy made an appearance in our podcast, and I wasn't expecting That's that. what I want. I want everybody to understand <gasps> this. Uh, stop. I wasn't stop expecting that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us and nerding out about branding, brand deliverables. If you made it this far, thank you. I hope you learned something. I hope that you had a laugh here and there, if anything. And I hope you do not feel discouraged. I hope you feel encouraged and empowered and confident to go to whomever you're working with, get what you need. And you know what? If you like us, I hope you'll come work with us too. So, you know, we'll have all of the ways that you can connect with us in our show notes. We appreciate you so much. We see those downloads happen with our podcast and it really means the world to us. So thank you so much for tuning in. Yep. Have a good day or a good night. Boutique Speak is brought to you by Brainstorm Boutique Branding Studio. We create confident brands. You can find us online at brainstormboutique.com and on Instagram at brainstormboutique. You can listen to us on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.